All right, it is on. So, uh, guys, I appreciate you as always getting on. Who I have is Cyril and Chad. Uh, this is a Three Bros podcast recording, so uh, we haven't done one of these in a while, uh, at least published them, so I'm excited to get back into the ring or back into doing these again. So one of the things that I found a really cool YouTube video uh, titled Frederick Nietzsche, How to Find Yourself Existentialism from a YouTube channel called Philosophies for Life. Uh, we'll put the link in the description of these if you're interested in taking a look at it, but uh, one of the interesting things or right from the get-go, it talks about how we can find ourselves. And I think that's something that's really important and something that is um, not really explored upon as much, uh, especially as you get older, as you get into at least my age. You know, I don't know, Chad, where you're at, but comparatively speaking, I feel like as you get older, you kind of lose that sense a little bit because you just get into the grind and all of a sudden you're just something else. Um, so when we talk about finding yourself and how important that is, um, I know Cyril, you took a few notes, but uh, did you write anything specific towards uh, what it means to find yourself and what it's what's so important about that? I feel like we've talked many times, especially the three of us, about finding a purpose. Um, so I think that's definitely why it's probably one of the reasons why you picked this. Um, it's a really good. It's a really good video that touches on that kind of stuff. And and we've all had definitely um, struggles and deep thoughts on just just stuff like that. And um, I think one of the things did you ask me again what you asked me? Because I was about to go to a point, but you asked me something specific. Go ahead. Yeah, just about finding yourself and why it's so important. Like, what what does it mean to you right now? Just before we talk about the video itself, to find yourself and what is the importance of finding yourself? I think I think it means it, it means to be like secure. Oh man, this is such a deep question. I'm thrown off by this. Um. Um. Well, I mean, if it's Chad, if you've got yeah. at least cursory thoughts on yeah. what it means to find yourself and what's so important about it. Well, <clears throat> when we talk about Nietzsche, he's one of those 20th century philosophers. And they tend to be rooted in this idea of existentialism, which is the concern and again it's it's loosely rooted in sort of this uh naturalistic belief that we are natural beings we are happenstance we are part of a long line of causal factors you know it's these consequences about losing and kill you and i talked about this recently yeah um, when we did. talked about meaning and purpose we were talking about and and again, this is something that I focus maybe a little bit too much on, but uh, you root yourselves in these ideas about like what the nature of humans are, what the nature of being is. And when we reached the 20th century, when we saw the horrible things concerning the Holocaust and World War One, and <clears throat> we just, we, we sort of started... I mean, that coupled with the ideas of um, Darwin in terms of natural selection and how beings could have come to be, 
we started to like sort of wake up a little bit in terms of scientifically how did the universe get started and that's where like existentialism came in in the 20th century we started to subscribe more to these naturalistic beliefs about like we are we happen to be on this planet and then also when we were faced with the horrors of world war ii and the holocaust we were like well what does it mean to be alive you know in the face of these like horrible tragedies um Nietzsche was one of those responses in terms of philosophy where he comes from a position of irreligion almost, but he understands that meaning is what drives our lives. Um, so we're sort of left with this. We kind of have to craft this. Uh, what are those things you put up when you want to paint the side of a house? You know what I'm talking about? Scaffold? Scaffold, yes. You need a scaffolding. You have to, like, build the scaffolding yourself of, like, meaning. So um, what you're saying, if I could jump in here real quick, is that yeah. especially when religion became less of a thing in the 20th century, the difficulty that people had was being able to formulate a specific, like, belief structure and to give purpose to their life and meaning to their life because it wasn't just handed to you from a religious organization like the Catholic Church or the Protestants or whoever it may hand it to you. Yeah, yeah, that was the response. So philosophy has had, uh, you know, this very long and drawn-out dialectic. And in the 20th century, like, existentialism was all about, okay, well, we're moving away from this idea that we are here inherently with a purpose, and we're moving more towards this idea that existence precedes essence, that you are born first and that any meaning or purpose you're going to derive is going to be something that you formulate for yourself. That was existentialism, right? You have to define the meaning of yourself after you're here. It is not defined I, before yeah, you I see, get right. So Nietzsche is rooted in this idea of, it's not an atheism, but I think it's like an apurposism. You know, you aren't born with this inherent purpose. So you... Right. He's trying to help somebody define what it is that means something in their own life because it's not handed to you on a platter. You you have you literally have to define it. So let me jump in right there because the video right goes into very four very specific points about finding yourself. And the first one is don't follow the herd mentality. Um, it, it seems to be obviously finding yourself doesn't necessarily mean you being like everybody else. And Cyril, I know, again, one of the things that you had talked about was not following the herd and trying to find um, that way of finding who you actually are, regardless of what everybody else is doing. Yeah, there's a part in it that says, um, or there's a part in it that's um, about just learning to be a loner and how important that is in self-understanding. Um, yeah, and I think that makes a lot of, obviously that, it's interesting because when I'm watching that, I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, a lot of this is not wrong when it says we construct a lot of things as a society and not everybody necessarily by instinct wants to work towards that. But um, I don't know how inherently evil the collective is versus like, so I said learning, I absolutely agree that learning to be a loner is extremely important in your self-understanding because Obviously, if you're completely leaning on what everybody else thinks to validate yourself, that is not healthy and that is not where you want to be. Um, 
being able to self-validate yourself, being able to be independent, being able to say, well, I know who I am and, and support your beliefs is definitely a strong thing. But I don't know. Something also spoke to me about a balance, as I always say, with ad nauseum with everything. There, there's something spoke to me about a balance between like you should learn to be a loner and that's really important to your self-understanding. But also there is value in acceptance in others and as a group in terms of influence. Um, so I thought that was particularly interesting because I didn't, of course I didn't disagree with the idea that you need to be a loner, learn to be a loner in ways to find yourself. Um, but it also, the video went kind of strong in the idea that like you could totally cut everybody off. And if you find yourself, then you'd still be happy. I don't know that I agree with that. So, well, when you talk about being alone and finding out who you are, you mm -hmm. know, I know you briefly kind of said you kind of understood that to a degree. And I feel like what yeah. I understand from that is that if you're not able to sit in complete and total silence with yourself, if that drives you stir crazy, if that uh, produces, you know, whether it be certain thoughts or visions or makes you anxious because you're just by yourself, that's that's an issue. Um, and, and I can understand how some people might be like, that's, you know, undiagnosed depression or anxiety yeah. or something yeah. to that effect. But I feel like for a lot of people, what it is, is that content with oneself. And when you're sitting there by yourself, the question that comes up, at least for me, is, am I happy with myself? And I think to be alone and to be okay with being alone is to be okay with who you are and what you've right. become. And I think that really drives that point home of, yeah. you know... Yeah, if I had to pick one side that was more important, it's the loner side, for sure. For sure. Okay. But the acceptance yeah. side is definitely a part of... Um, I mean, it all depends on what you want to get out of things, too. So, but, Well, not yeah, following I, the herd mentality, right? Going back to that yeah, first right, point. What right, I appreciate exactly, about right. that specifically is that you will not be able to discover what you enjoy, what right. challenges you, what gives you... Uh, good feelings right that the dopamine and the serotonin and all that whatever those crazy ass chemicals that are sure. in your body when you achieve something or when you do something or when you find something that makes you feel good it might not match what everybody else is doing and i think to find yourself what's really important is to take that chance don't necessarily oh everybody plays this video game why don't you try this video game and, and that's really mm -hmm. like small example but I think that that is something really specific for a lot of people. Like, don't be afraid to try something just because nobody else is doing that. Because mm -hmm. without being able to challenge yourself and to try new things, you're never going to know what you actually enjoy. And and if you never find that out, you may miss something that may give you uh, that greater purpose yeah. in life. Dude, funny enough, really quickly, Chad, funny enough, a lot of this came back to me to the game. What is the game? Don't let other people bother you. That's the game. Don't lose oh, the game. Oh, shit. <laughs> In like some silly way. It's true. Go ahead, Chip. Well, I was, gonna, I was just going to say um, there is also a lot of, you know, evolutionarily, evolutionary advantage to people being cohesive with what the social fabric is. So, yes, like we are evolutionarily predisposed to be part of the society and the collective rather than the individual because that's just how we survived you know we're social creatures so that's a inherently a tough thing that's all, that's all i want to add to that um i also second, on top of my, adding a little bit more on top of that um yeah um the more you work together the more 
at any point in society, I don't care what the technology was, the more people worked together towards something, the more you could produce, the more you could create, the farther you could achieve, the more you could do kind of a thing. For sure, every yeah. single time. You're powerful in numbers. But human beings are divisive, so... I would say yes in terms of like warring communities, you know, it's mm -hmm. you need more of a collective if your collective is at war with another collective, but it does kind of change. Well, in... the same thing applies to academia and and standing on the shoulders of others and researching new things well, off my, of research before and work, my point know, is saying, the yeah. collective mm -hmm. is not as important if nation states aren't warring with each other. You can be a little more. But you'd be more of a collective if you're not warring with each other. So that, of course, like all those. No, no, no it, individualistically. Mm. You're more collect like the United States. If you want to talk about sure. how partisan United States politics were when we I don't were in the want to talk about Cold it. War versus now. Oh, sure. My point is, is when we had a collective enemy, we're not at each other's throats as much. Yeah. OK, that's point taken. That's all. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Collective collectiveness doesn't really work when there's not like a, a dire threat that's threatening all of us. You know? Yeah, we're both talking in generalizations, but I think both are. Yeah, that's fair. So let's move into the next point in Second the video point. specifically, and that is embrace the difficulty of self discovery. The fight is an inner fight, and and that ties into a little bit with the the whole loner thing. And that is is you have to internalize that struggle. You have to internalize right. a lot of that. A conversation with yourself to figure out what it is um, that you're looking for. You have to really define what it is that you're trying to achieve, at least to the best of your ability, and knowing that along this path at some point that those definitions or or that end goal may change, but at least it sets foot in your understanding at that point. Like This is going to be a difficult path. Finding out who you are and what makes you Always is. you and what gives you meaning and purpose is going to be extremely difficult no matter who you are. So mm -hmm. what I am curious to, to kind of get your guys' feedback on is what you feel is the embrace of the difficulty of self-discovery and what does that mean? And did that hit any specific notes with you? The difficulty of self-discovery? Hmm. And it's unique in this situation because I feel like Boy, the way we were raised... Day. Oh, go ahead. Well, the way we were raised, I would say, gives us mm -hmm. a slight upper leg on a lot of people because our dad would always challenge us to figure out what it is that we were doing. It's true. Right? And he would always challenge you. He would always say that, you know, there is no try, there's only do, you know, that I used to hate when he would say that constantly. But what it did, I think, was always push you and always keep uh, pestering you to, to find that next step. What is that next path? What is that ne next thing that you are going to do? And without being able to have somebody push you, um, how do you embrace that? How do you motivate yourself to get up in the morning and to continue to try to um, not just survive, but to find purpose and meaning? My honest answer to this is other people, all I'm looking hold, for. other people hold me accountable more than I can ever hold myself accountable. I truly feel a type of way about um, not doing too much for others. I think, I think at one point in my life when I was younger, for sure, doing too much for others. But now that I'm older, it's um, like I'm a better version of myself when I'm in a relationship with someone because they get me to do more things, to experience more things, to go do things I wasn't going to do, meet new people I wouldn't have met, right? That kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and 
like for another small example, um, when I was in college, I always made sure I tried to get into study groups because if I told myself there's a test coming up, I, I you could take every single class that I didn't bother to get to know anybody. And I did worse in that class every single time over a class that I, that I bothered to get to know people and have a study group. And, um, so I think as I get older, it's definitely easier to hold myself accountable. Uh, you learn and, you know, I've been through things that taught me some discipline and some whatever, uh, to do that. But yeah, other people can hold me, you know, so interesting. So for you, although being alone and okay with being alone with your thoughts is important, what's more important is developing and building a good community around yourself. Is that what you're saying essentially? I think that is correct. I think that is that's correct. something that Chad and I talked quite a bit about when we did our our talk on on you know Caleb versus self was. But yeah, what yeah. is it that gets you off the couch at the end of the day? And for me, what I told Chad essentially was a a certain level of self hatred and, and loathing of myself when I sit on the couch There's on a, a Saturday little bit afternoon. Of that. There's a little bit of that for me, but it's mostly yeah, other people. So, like if huh. Chad, how about you? Like if I want, um, oh, go ahead. Clearly that's uh, clearly that's where I've been making the mistake because <laughs> for me I have, and obviously this is a critical flaw of mine, but for me I have this sense of if it's worth doing, I should be able to do it on my own with my own sense of motivation, my own sense of pride, you know, my effort towards this thing. Um, well, that's not wrong. Well, yes and no, because you've clearly had more material benefits than I have with your principle of, well, let me gather it in a, you know, small community, whereas I'm like, well, if I'm going to do it, I should be able to do it on my own. And it's interesting. That's interesting. I, yeah, that's wildly interesting. Yeah. You and I talked about this last time. Um, and, and like, I listened back to that conversation Definitely got a little annoyed at the use of the word sure. But, we'll um, <clears throat> but towards the end, uh, you and I sort of, we boiled down this conversation that started with religion more to this conversation about community and just like general support yeah. of, of each other. And uh, I don't know, maybe I don't give that enough credit that it deserves um, because it's, it's, it works for Cyril, obviously. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you have this collective group of people who are all like sort of just keeping each other accountable rather than the, just this burden of keeping yourself accountable. That's just, it's obviously an easier. Yes. Thing that is, that is how I see it. And I think there are definitely scenarios that I'll get into with my significant other where I'll see other people in the same scenario instead of, um, acting like that, they'll just act out and say like, well, I don't want to do that. Like, like, um, I don't know. Like, so certain things like sit around on the couch all afternoon, drink beers and just watch sports or, you know, go out to a dinner here and go out to drinks here with these people and these people and interact and get to know people. Um, and I've always thought that me sitting around doing nothing is a waste of time and like is not good. I should be getting out and meeting people and like networking is a big, big part of life, unfortunately still and blah, blah, blah. And so it's always like now that I have a significant other and at times I've had and times I haven't, but when I do, they can get me out to do more. Like I meet all these people. I know all these people in another part of the country because of this person now, like I do all these things and I see those things as such a huge positive. 
And I do see the practical influence they have on getting me off the couch when I wouldn't have otherwise done that. Um, so the difficulty of self-discovery, perhaps. Sure. <laughs> sure. Well, it's interesting because uh, I know we're coming full circle, Chad, with our talk. But the importance of building that community for me is bar none, just probably the singular most important thing. And I think the, a lot of it has yeah. to do with. So when you do something on your own, Chad, and you achieve whatever that goal is, right? Mm -hmm. You do it completely on your own. You feel so good about yourself, but nobody else can share in that achievement with you. (laughs) Nobody can be proud of you for what you did because we don't know what the fuck you did, right? But when you do that, let's say you, let's say, you know, hey, Cyril, I'm going to run a marathon and Cyril shows up to cheer me on. He can be excited at the fact that I did something that I set my mind to and that, that shared feeling of success, regardless of whether or not you directly participated in that event or whether you were just being supportive, mm-hmm. gives other people, maybe not as much, but just as much excitement for you achieving that's goals. And to me, that's where I see that community mm-hmm. aspect. I don't have to do mm-hmm. what it is that you're doing to be proud and to be supportive and to, you know, sure. rah, 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 go, right. Chad, sure. go, go sure. fucking sure. do it. Um, that, to me, right. that's a really important part of self-discovery because sometimes without that external motivating factor, yeah, guess what? You don't get off the couch. Right. You are a useless no, piece of shit well, just sitting on the couch well, watching the, football. And that's where I there, start. There are, like self-motivated, right. Right. there are self-motivated people. I yes. will say, there, no, wait, sure. I will listen, say, and though, we all motivate in our own ways. I'm telling you how I operate. Go ahead, Jen. I was going to say, for the most part, we are helplessly social creatures. We... That's just Mm -hmm. something we yearn for. Like all of the meaning that we tend to build in our day to day without trying to root it in some sort of like ultimate reason or cause or supernatural force. A -hmm. lot of the meaning we build from day to day is just how we interact with each other is what we can tell each other about ourselves and how we treat each other. Like that's that's just culture, right? Like, so yeah, yeah, it's just right. So There's and, and no, we are. It's more than culture because we're inherently well, yeah, social creatures. True. Like for us, as it's far an, as like up, upright walking primates, it's been millions of years of us just finding this cause in being a collective and socializing with each other and proving ourselves or being unique, whatever consequence that has. So it's it's. It's just interesting that to me, for some reason, I take it like I would rather do something entirely on my own than do something in, than succeed, but have somebody help me. You know what I mean? I'd rather mm-hmm. fail mm-hmm. than succeed and have somebody help me rather than just doing it on my own, which is that's a stupid thought. But for some reason, <laughs> like for me, when I do something, I want it to be true to myself and not necessarily at the behest of other people. But that's so let me unrealistic. Yeah, yeah, let me ask you then, because I, I have a similar thing about achieving goals on my own, especially with it's no selfish support. It is, but what I would say though is that if you're able to accomplish minor goals within a group or within a collective with other people knowing, whatever that ends up looking like. Does that not help give you a roadmap to show you how to achieve things possibly 100%. on your own? I think so. I think so. One hundred. We're social creatures. A hundred percent. And I think for me, like you do one or two exercises, if you will, not literal exercises, but uh, goals, right? You achieve those goals within your tribe, your community, your group. 
you know, everybody feels good about it. Rah, rah, go you. And then that's when you can strike out and do one or two on your own, mm-hmm. right? You might succeed, you might fail. And then you can circle back and do a couple more within the community and tribe. To me, that's the cycle that I try to go through sure, because that sounds healthy. It sounds healthy. There's benefits, sure. <laughs> right? There's benefits to both. And I can I can yeah. extract are, things yeah. that I've learned from each thing and continue to try to push that boundary and push that envelope of who I am and what it is um, that, that I want to be. And, and that brings me into that third point that the video makes, which again, I really enjoy. Um, check it out. It'll be. Yeah, It'll be in the video, description as well. Yeah. Say yes to what gives you meaning. Become the superhuman. Become the ubermensch. Oh, yeah. and, and specifically what I get from that is say yes to what gives you meaning is I think we're in a lot of ways afraid to say yes to something that, that may bring you meaning and joy and purpose in life. So for me, one of the big examples is doing a podcast. I literally sat there for such a long time trying to figure out what the pros and cons are, what you know, what potential impact it might have to my job or my relationship oh, or to my children or yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's really difficult to, to find a way to make it all work so that everybody's super happy. But the thing that I always left out is myself. I wasn't Good. saying what makes me happy. What should right. I be saying yes to and not, not necessarily ignoring all of the risks around it, but putting myself uh, a little higher than those risks so that I could yeah. continue to push the boundaries and find that purpose and meaning. And I wonder for you guys, and I'll start with Chad, if there's anything that you guys either have said yes to or have not really considered saying yes to because you're in that kind of same space. Or, or, or does that mean something else to you, becoming the Superman, the Ubermensch? Um, sorry, so ask that again I, I'm, I'm not sure i understand the question is there something that you have been avoiding saying yes to or is there something that you have said yes to that you're kind of turning the quarter on corner on for for something that gives you meaning and it can be a no that's all right it might be a no it's that's probably okay. why i asked you to ask the question again now yeah yeah and this is sort of an aside right if sure. i may um, but for me, when you look at these philosophers, when you look at anybody that professes any sort of theory about how somebody should live their life, for me, how that propagates in their own life is incredibly important. Correct. Because if you have somebody who is a self-help teacher, but they're homeless and they have a crack addiction, I'm <laughs> going to be a little skeptical about your self-help advice. Right. So <clears throat> for me... Uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, and this is again like this is more towards the beginning topic. This is a bit yeah, of an aside, so you're more than welcome to you know cut me off if you'd like to. But uh, Nietzsche suffered a mental breakdown, and he went to like a mental hospital, and he wrote a bunch of letters where he was kind of losing his mind, uh, and it turns out he may have had like long-term syphilis which apparently can affect your mental faculties it so sure can. that's that's something to take into effect here but it can also make you wear a powdered wig that's true because yep. you don't want people to know you have syphilis but my point is like when you look at people who are self-help gurus 
or philosophers even. I'm not going to like just boil Nietzsche down to a self-help guru. Obviously, he was like a, a well-spoken, well-written man. But the effect that your worldview that you're espousing has on the way that you yourself live your life is m the most important evidence I can examine. Do you know what I mean? Yes and no, right? Because I feel like just because somebody can write out the way to live your life but not actually follow it to a T doesn't necessarily make that way to live your life wrong. But the suggestion that they had such a conviction about it to write about it but they themselves couldn't commit to that same lifestyle certainly is some information you can learn as a third observer or a second observer or whatever it is. I mean, sure. You know I mean? Like, but, you have so, these convictions about these ideas but you yourself are not committed to them Where, where's the disconnect if you that have... well just because you weren't able to achieve them doesn't make them wrong like y you realize that this is but you had enough conviction finding... to write about them yeah and you have a conviction to talk about it but you would say that your life isn't completely 100 percent together nor would i sure right but we continue to try to do what we can <laughs> not yet whoa i'll talk to you next year sure <laughs> I mean, I, I get where you're I coming mean, from. Did Nietzsche view himself as that? Did he sell himself as that? Because if he didn't, I mean, because Caleb's no. point stands. You, you like to talk about certain things. Well, he talks about the and, Ubermensch, yeah. right? He talks about the Ubermensch. Yeah, but he, he says nobody's achieved that, right? Only three people came close, right? Something uh, like he that. Did, oh. He did say that. That's true. Right. Right. So okay. this is okay, that's a man point. who suffered from syphilis. So. <laughs> Which is also true because that will eat your brain. That will eat your brain. Apparently. So I get where you're coming from. Um, I, I would push that's back a little a bit on it. I guess on today's self-help guru. I will say this. Really and that's fair. Hard. I'll give to, you that. I'll to answer that. Caleb's original question. Yeah. I yeah. have been. I told Caleb this before we started. I have said yes to making a commitment um, to just being active on, like I said, I told you I tweet out, you know, a certain article that um, – maybe puts a veteran in a good light or it's someone helping vets or whatever. And you kind of just like it, try to engage with people. And so it's a super small thing. It feels like a stupid thing even saying it, but it is something that I, I try to stick to. And, and I think the whole thing of unified has been something I've been, you know, I don't want to, I, cause I told you before that I haven't pushed it the way that if I truly am at my stage where I want to push it, I'm at yet, but it's still something that I created and something I said yes to as far as I told you how therapeutic it was and stuff. So, so what's tried. the, uh, yeah. what's the Twitter handle? Uh, party unified at party unified. Party, so, yeah. At party unified. Yep. And, and right now, right. You're just putting out, uh, articles and information about positive things about people helping veterans, veterans helping yes. themselves, uh, being able to move on from whatever thing and, may and, or may and not I have told happened you, to I them. Willfully, yes, and I told you I will, and we did this off so, recording, so I'll do it on recording now. I willfully admit that it is the way that I am trying to drum up an interest or eyeballs in the things that I'm doing, and hopefully doing it in a wholesome way as opposed to a grifting scumbag way, and then hopefully also the conversations I have are wholesome and in a way that's different than some, you know, person who's pushing a narrative of grifting and in that way i hope to kind of build that that whole thing so, so if i can push on i'm that, saying right yes, yes yeah if i could push on that what do you feel like doing that creating project or party unified uh the twitter handle putting out articles like that what is it about that that you feel like is giving you uh meaning 
good question. And my best answer is, I'm, I'm so glad you asked that because this kind of just came to my mind. I, I, I truly think that a part of meaning for me is understanding and learning perspectives and, and listening and talking to people who have different wants. And so it'd be fascinating to have something, have a platform where I could do that, where I could talk to all kinds of people, listen to their perspective. Um, this is kind of a vague answer because there's no straight answer on what the meaning is, but it's just kind of, hey, collecting wisdom and collecting information from a lot of different people who might see things in a certain way. I think that'd be So it awesome. sounds like what yeah. what's giving you meaning is learning from other people, their experiences, their backgrounds, and trying to get a better understanding and sense of um, general feelings towards a lot of different things. Yes. I've never thought about it like this, but in a nutshell, that is kind of what unified ideally would be. Yes. For nice. me, at least. For at least what I'm getting out of it, I guess. But yeah. Yeah. If anybody yeah. ever listens to this at Party Unified, check it out. There you go. Well, that kind of bleeds itself into number four, right? It sure does. Number yeah. four, find <laughs> your true values. So, so true values. we yeah. might as well circle back to Cyril. What do you feel like, at least in the party unified thing, have you felt like it's something that is a true value? Maybe you talked to somebody, maybe you heard something or read something. That Well, the biggest value kind of, for unified would yeah. be um, literally just, especially Locker in next age. Up. Lock her up. Nope, the opposite. Oh, Respectful. No. The, the the biggest okay. value would be res- sorry, sorry. like the most th- the thing that I would prize the most is a respectful conversation between two people who wholesalely disagree. Um, lock her. So I, from the exactly guy the opposite of what Chad's saying. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, no, actually, yeah. Actually, it sounds like what you're trying to do is actually find those type of people to some degree and having. Um, a very pointed but respectful discussion with them about their feelings and their beliefs, especially if they're espousing something that's pretty aggressive, let's say. Yes. Oh, I would love to talk to the most aggressives. The only only thing is when you start to touch stuff like that, first of all, you need to practice, you need to get experience, but you start to touch stuff like that, you need to do it in the right way where you're not validating them. It has to be in a way where you don't validate, especially when it's hateful stuff. So you have to find a way to... Because I, because I, I don't care if anybody, you know, drags me for this anytime. I will talk to anybody. I will have a beer with Donald Trump. I don't give a shit. So, but it needs to. If you're going to publish it and record it and have some sort of value out of it, you need to thread it. You do. You can't validate. I, I would, it. I would say that people who shouldn't be validated, if you ask them the right question, will invalidate themselves. Correct. That's what. Right. And that's where experience. You don't, you don't want to be the person correct. that stands up there and you're like, you have a pulpit, like, oh, this person's wrong and such and such, and no. how dare they? No, no, no. You, you, you should correct. be the type of person that can have a nuanced conversation. And you ask them the right questions where they just should kind of step in their the shit. They, yeah, of. exactly. They yeah. validate themselves. Exactly. Yep. It's interesting. I, I was driving it's not out here to be screaming today. like that on the other side too, Chad. You're right. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I think regardless, people, people should be allowed to say what they say. And if they truly are ridiculous, you should ask them questions in a way that like everyone who's watching it understands that they shouldn't be somebody that you take seriously. That's all you have to do. And it's not hard to do when you take people who truly have just irreconcilable beliefs with reality. You know what I mean? It's you talk to an anti-vaxxer and it doesn't take a lot of questions for them to answer that you understand as somebody who might even be on the fence is like, all right, well, this person's they clearly don't know what they're talking about. Um, But I was driving out to work today 
and uh, it's about 30 minutes away. It's It tends to be more in the sticks, away from the medium-sized metropolitan area that I live uh, near. And there was somebody standing by the road who had a sign about, like, resist Cuomo, he's a tyrant. He was sitting in a lawn chair. He was flying an American flag on, like, a really high pole. He had two signs up, just both talking about Cuomo. And I was like, man, I wish that I had the nuance to just park my car. Exactly. Take a microphone out and have a conversation with this man. Like, exactly. I'm not, I'm not here to attack you. I'm here to understand. I'm here to understand. And I'm here to just like ask you questions that sort of poke at what it is you truly believe about the world. And those things can be very revealing, not only to people who are watching that conversation, but to the person who's participating in that conversation. And to your point, when their views are super unpalatable, I've seen in my experience for stuff that I've seen online and stuff like that, a lot of times they'll just walk away, especially if you walk up to them, because once you start to poke enough, they know. And they're just like, you know what? I, I can't handle this. And they'll, yeah. They'll kind yeah. Of- Unless you have somebody so who's would you super say- honest and they'll stand sure. there and they'll actually <laughs> reflect on the fact that like, you it's know, what? I'm, I'm being I'm being asked questions in a way that aren't attacking my beliefs directly, but they're just asking me to take a closer look at them. And I, right. I don't know if I like what I'm seeing. Those are the type of people that are redeemable. That's Those sure. are the conversations you want to be having because well, not, people I don't, realize yeah. that they might be wrong. Right, sure. Like I know, I'm aware all the time that I could be wrong about everything. Oh, me too. That's, I've been wrong many times. That's, that's <laughs> the disposition of every single person that holds any right. kind of belief. You sure. could be wrong about everything that you think you know oh, about the world. Sure. That should be your base. Level. We we're complete morons. Everybody else should feel the same. Sorry, Caleb, I cut you off. A, a yeah, no, no, that's that's completely fine. What I was going to say is, for me, what I would love, I'd love to have that same conversation as well. I think all three of us would. But the difference for me is that I'm not trying to have that conversation to convince the person that I'm talking to. No, like, you're already sitting on the side of the road with a lawn chair and American flag. Like, you are yeah, you're extremely not committed to this yeah. specific viewpoint. What I would be looking to do is trying to reach out to people who may have a similar belief, like, kind of on the fence. They're like, well, you know. That's fair. That guy might be right. The guy in the lawn chair might be right. But no one's ever going to challenge that person on their specific beliefs. And, and for me, one of the true values, if I could bring this full circle that I'm finding with having these talks and trying to find new ways to have conversations like this is, is the concept of like ironing, iron sharpening iron. So I have a specific preconceived notion of the way that I think life is, life should be, politics is, politics should be, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But I'm having these conversations, I'm having more in-depth conversations about that and I'm finding myself being like, you know, fuck, I don't know what I'm talking about. I might sure. need to do some more reading. Yeah, I might need yeah. to do some more listening. Yeah. I might need to do some more you research know, to figure out what it is that I'm missing. Go yeah. ahead, Chad. To me, the thing that would help a lot that is severely, severely lacking from our political discourse between just like common Americans these days is if we all started from the presumption that the person that I'm talking to has the best interest for America at mind, (laughs) it would drastically change the way we talk to each other because a lot of the time what I see when I, cause I'm not, I'm a lurker, right? I don't engage in the discourse. I consume the discourse, right? Same. And a lot of the things that I see in terms of like Stacy's showing me some Facebook post or something I see on Reddit in a controversial subreddit, 
a lot of the time what i see is it's like okay here's this person that disagrees with me they're also an american they drastically disagree with me about politics they must hate america why is that your presumption if we start with the presumption that this other person even if i disagree with them wildly their base presumption is this is what's best for america i can work with that that is somebody that just wants the best and maybe they're misinformed that's a base from from where it most people could talk to each other reasonably but if you see somebody that disagrees with you politically they're on the quote-unquote other side and my base assumption is they want to see america destroyed you can't even have a conversation no conversation is worth having because like what it's just somebody that is just the antithesis of what you think, you know. It's just somebody that wants to see it all torn down. Whether you're on the left or the right, it's just, you know, the, that person that opposes me just wants to see it right. all torn down. You can't start your conversations there. Don't even have a conversation if that's your base presumption. It's worthless. Right. It's a waste of time. Good point. It pisses me off, man. It's, it's how most people treat each other. If you are somebody... Yeah, that disagrees with me you hate america it's like can we just disregard can we just get rid of that presumption it's so toxic you know what I was it's telling so someone, unhealthy i was telling someone today um so we had we had deaf parents and i was telling someone today man the way that deaf people interact when they don't even know each other deaf strangers love each other unconditionally <laughs> right and like we There's know the common thread we understand that it's 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 a certain situation that's not a natural human situation where they have a handicap we got we got it and that's and that's an influence in why they trust each other so much but there i told someone today there's such a and it was literally today there's such a wholesomeness to it there's such a I'm going to give you like there's such a connection that happens that in the real world, it just doesn't. It just doesn't. It's not like, oh, you're my homie instantly. That's how that, you know, it's interesting. So I don't know why they maybe thought of that. I just, well, I, I came up today. I would that. agree. It's, it's this common thread. It's this common, like for deaf folks, it's the right. common deaf culture. Yeah. To like, your divisiveness I, thing. That's what it was. Both yeah. me and you, regardless of where you are in the United States, I understand probably the struggles that you go through. The right. Cause you're handy. You right. It's a common thread. Right. And like, if we, if we could just make a better effort at threading that common thread, regardless of it who is, you are as an yeah. American, through Forget the politics even right oh my god it's over right. like they're uh, like it's we true. would be but but that's just true. not it's, it's not how human beings operate and and it's well, not how they ever have th sometimes people are like oh we're we're getting worse it's like dude human beings are human beings i, bro. I would say <laughs> i would say i would say it's not how those in power want you to operate that's what i would say Hmm. powered moneyed interest does a very good job at keeping control of its powered money interest well sure and that to me like when you talk about the way americans at are at each other's throats there is yeah, a very select yeah, group sure. of people that it doesn't matter if you're mad at republicans or you're mad at democrats either way it benefits them it, it benefits, benefits these people who are pulling them. certain levers right yes right well, sure. division, right? It comes right, down to division. Right. As long as there's two yeah. sides fighting each other, right. it's much easier to put um, you you know, look different the other types way. of policies and different types of yeah, laws into place that benefit those people. Yeah, right. especially Which people. We, we get that, but the problem is, is at the end of the day, 
Um, for me, and this is probably a bit extreme, but I think I said this to one of you guys, mm-hmm. um, but it feels like, you know, we criticize places like Saudi Arabia and Iraq and oh. um, different places that are becoming in some ways, right? Like, like religious theocracies or, or it's democracy, but it's democracy. Like there's a guise of democracy. like theocracy in there, right? It's like everything is guided by this religious principle. Yeah. And it's funny that we criticize those countries for it because I would argue that our country is the closest to a Protestant version of a theocracy in the world, right? Because what is what what is the reason that like uh, an Amy uh, Cohen Barrett is put into into the Supreme Court nomination process? There, I mean they they've 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 what what are they going after, Cyril? So getting all those conservatives in the court. If you want my true opinion, just really quick. Conservatives have been upset Want to destroy for many, America. Stop it. Conservatives Sorry. have been upset for many years that <laughs> that uh, that the judicial branch is objective. And and I hate to say it like that because I don't want to slander anybody. I don't. But conservatives were really upset that the the judicial branch over the years actually stood for certain things that were not malleable and like justice and you know. And they were they were upset that that certain things that they deemed were liberal, but I deem as human rights were being given away by this judicial branch that they didn't like. So they they went on a mission to start to nominate people like Amy Coney Barrett in the last 30 years. And they've done a really good job because here she is. It's way more than that. It's 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 a lot more than that. But but, and and, and by the way, really quickly, if I may, to to tie that really all up really quick. Trump appointed a lot of everybody knows during the Trump era, he's appointed a lot of judges. Trump appointed judges are throwing out his lawsuits right now. So the judicial branch will always and still will always stand in a certain way that is just not political. And I know some people worry about that more than others. Amy Coney and Barrett's not great, but the the judge in Pennsylvania who's thrown out all these lawsuits is literally Trump appointed and Trump's upset about it, too. So that just that does show you something that's good. Yeah, so, we we should backtrack from the anyways. political aspect of this conversation. I know, I know, I know. That's yeah. where we tend to go. But the point of the conversation is finding yourself. is most important. We're gonna on the next three bros get together. We'll probably talk yeah, about enough. something a bit more political as opposed to philosophical. Oh, but I, I appreciate the time. Yeah. Yes. Um, anybody yeah. who ever listens, uh, please go check out. Uh, let me take a look here. It is called. Philosophies for Life, Frederick Nietzsche, How to Find Yourself. It's an excellent mm. uh, doodle video. Mm. Uh, really breaks down a lot of what Nietzsche talked about. And I think in a lot of ways, and Cyril, I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but before we started this, we both were talking about how you watch this video and you kind of get a little bit of motivation for yourself you to get your shit together. You do. It's true. It fades quickly. It fades quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, other thing to check out, Randy Dunham Art. Smoke my crack. Uh, Randy Dunhamart.com. Interesting. He designed the logo on both the Caleb versus <laughs> self. Right. Well, it's the same logo. Until next well, time. Well, Cyril just said he smokes crack. So either this is all cut out <laughs> or it's all left in. So we got to address that at some point. I could care less. <laughs> it's all left in. We <laughs> don't. We don't. USA. USA. All right. Yeah. I appreciate the time, Caleb. I'm sorry, Chad. Cyril. Yep. We're going to hop over and we will see you next time. See you.